0: Hello, everyone. Did you know that everything we do and every penny that we spend empowers something or someone? My name is Walter Mitchell Jr., and I want to invite you to become regular listeners, social contributors, and active participants in the reclaiming and redistribution of our collective power. I encourage you to take back what's rightfully yours from those who have in the past and present abused and misused it. I further encourage you to be mindful of to whom or to what and why you've chosen to empower and to question what, if any, reciprocity results from that arrangement. Too often, or more times than not, we have empowered people and entities to our own hurt. I want to inspire you through this podcast to own your power and use it to advance our interests and objectives in pursuit of a grander vision than what the West affords the Black and colored descendants of the African slaves their forefathers bought, stole, owned, and sold. I'm going to try to articulate a vision our ancestors that were born here in slavery shared and passed on to us through their anxieties, desires, and frustrated dreams, and that we in turn unwittingly pass on to succeeding generations of Afro-Americans through the same means. Dr. King even referenced it in at least a couple of his speeches. Once in a speech titled, The Birth of a Nation, which is my favorite, and the other during a protest march in Washington, D.C. in 1963, that I'm sure you're all familiar with. In the birth of a nation speech, Dr. King pointed out the angst and the soul of the oppressed to be free, the tendency toward conformity that it agitates as it grows, and the natural inclination it engenders in the soul of every man to eventually act on it. This is that angst that we feel every time we're pulled over for nothing or followed in a store, or approached by a security guard asking if they can help us because to them our very existence in that space is suspect. It's that, man, leave me alone. Don't you got something better to do than mess with me? Or just let me be response to it all. This is that desire in our souls to be free, responding to the injustice we are experiencing in the moment. In that speech, Dr. King said, there seems to be a throbbing desire. There seems to be an eternal desire for freedom within the soul of every man. And it's there. It might not break forth in the beginning, but eventually it breaks out. Men realize that freedom is something basic. To rob a man of his freedom is to take from him the essential basis of his manhood. There is something in the soul that cries out for freedom. There is something deep down within the very soul of man that reaches out for Canaan. Men cannot be satisfied with Egypt. They try to adjust to it for a while. Many men have vested interests in Egypt, and they are slow to leave. Egypt makes it profitable to them. Some people actually profit by Egypt. The vast majority, the masses of people, never profit by Egypt, and they are never content with it. And eventually, they rise up and begin to cry out for Canaan's land. Now, with this fresh in your minds, imagine, if you will, a safe, strong, autonomous, economically vibrant, and an aesthetically appealing Afro-American community, with quality education and medical care guaranteed to all equally as well as multiple mutually satisfying trade agreements and networks that stretch across the globe. Imagine in this space there are no systems, institutions, entities, or agencies that support the criminalization of blackness in any shade, in any ways. Imagine this place as an ally and champion to all suppressed and oppressed people around the world. Imagine in this space there are more inclusive institutions and businesses than extractive institutions and businesses that supports wealth building for all with the ambition to reach for. Imagine a legal system that punishes and rehabilitates rather than uses its power to suppress, oppress, restrain, and institutionalize its citizens based on color and class. Imagine a space where there is no compromise between white supremacy and our right to life and liberty. Imagine in this space a place where justice actually rolls down like water and where your life is as valuable as any and everyone else in that society. Imagine a place with a police force without the likes of a Geronimo Yanez, Jason Van Dyke, or Daniel Pantaleo and one that's not allowed to operate on the us-against-them mentality and where racist officials are not given the right to kill without consequences and are prosecuted for their misdeeds. Imagine walking down the streets of this place with a feeling of entitlement that we see so many of our right brothers and sisters walking around here with. Imagine this is the place Dr. King referenced and what has become his I have a dream speech. And now imagine yourself and your family in that space, in your own home, on your own land, and at peace. Now, let that sink in for a bit. What I've just described is a vision or a goal, one that provides hope against hope for those with the faith and courage to look beyond the constraints of suppression, the impossibilities of the day, and into the promise of our tomorrow. This is a vision that connects every one of us to everything for a shared responsibility toward a shared outcome. It assigns purpose, it defines progress. It establishes interests and identifies between friend and foe and differentiates between friend and foe. With this vision in mind, when presented with options, you choose the option consistent with that vision, which represents your interest. That moves you closer toward that vision, which is progress, and are enabled by it to identify potential allies or foes based on their support of or version to each option you choose and your desired outcome. It provides the destination and the route to get you there if you start from where you are and you follow it to where you want to be. As I stated in a prior podcast, we are living in an age of giants such as Amazon, Walmart, Uber, Apple, Facebook, and the like. Artificial, but still giants nonetheless. that extracts and retains large disproportionate, amount, disproportionate amounts of resources from our communities that more times than not distributes it in such a way that supports people, entities, and adversaries that continue to suppress and oppress us. So, to compete in an age such as this and protect ourselves against such encroachments on our right to life, liberty, and love, we must forge our wills, resources, and might to become a giant ourselves. And the vision that our ancestors passed on to us empowers us to do just that. This vision assigns purpose to every vote, every follow, every like, every share, every retweet, and every penny we spend compelling us, in effect, to become participants in the peripheral processes that we've devalued or largely ignored or taken for granted that affect our daily lives and desired outcome. This vision is the basis upon which agendas are compiled. Without a shared vision, there can be no black agenda or any other agenda. There are no utopias in this temporal realm, we know that. But there have been places more just, humane, and balanced. And there will be at least one more place like that if we we determine that's what we really want. Make no mistake, this is so much more than a dream speech at a protest march. It is our future and an opportunity for us all to participate in the narration that is our story. And what will determine we'll, and what we determine will be the last chapter of a book that began with the kidnapping, selling, and buying of our distant grandparents, grand aunties and granduncles, and will end with us walking into our victory with our backs straight and our heads unbowed. The country that we have loved, the country that we have loved in spite of the hate it gave to us and helped to make great is choking on its own hate the same hate that was there at the outset of this constitutional republic that threatened to tear it apart before it even began, and one that led us into a civil war and is openly threatening another one. All because a large enough portion of Americans refuse to accept that all men are created equal, and they exercise their votes accordingly, as do the people they elect and the people from whom they receive their interpretation of the gospel. I think we're only around 14% of the total population here in the United States, and around 40 or so percent of the country are okay with the hate this administration and its congressional allies give, and that's disturbing. Although we're courted heavily for our vote, 14%, even if we all voted, is not enough to get what we need out of Washington, but it is enough to tilt the scales to one side or the other for some political consideration which most times amounts to nothing more than substanti- nothing substantive other than more than a few plugged organizations receiving some funds or a few black faces that are plugged being granted a seat or two at a few tables in washington while the masses continue to languish although we are only 14 or so percent of the population which only affords us provisional political nuggets by the vote we have a more substantial collective buying power of 1.3 trillion dollars which is the fi- financial rug that we can pull from under the feet of those who want to deprive us of the rights to life and liberty that they enjoy at our expense. That's our wild card, and it's the, it's the only means by which we can have the quality of life, wealth, education, and medical care we've been begging others to give us for so long. It reminds me of a speech I heard by Booker T. Washington that reads, a ship lost at sea for many days suddenly sighted a friendly vessel. From the mass of the unfortunate vessel was seen a signal, Water, water, we die of thirst. The answer from the friendly vessel at once came back, Cast down your bucket where you are. A second time, the signal, Water, send us water, went up from the distressed vehicle and was answered, Cast down your buckets where you are. A third and fourth signal for water was answered, Cast down your bucket where you are. The captain of the distressed vessel, at at last heeding the injunction, cast down his bucket, and it came up full of fresh, sparkling water from the mouth of the Amazon River. Although it wasn't as well received at the time, its truth was then and remains today undeniable. We have the resources to pull ourselves out of this. We literally have the power of the purse to spin our way into wealth and out of the clutches and traps they have they are constructing to use against us, if we embrace and activate the vision of freedom inside of us that will compel us to become participants rather than the pawns we've been thus far. That vision gives us something to hope for, something to vote for, something worth living for, something we can finally truly believe in, and something truly worthy to die for if need be. W.E.B. Du Bois, one of our most highly esteemed intellectuals, who's credited with being one of the founders of the NAACP, said in 1965, I shall not go to the polls. I have not registered. I believe that democracy has so far disappeared in the United States that no two evils exist. There is but one evil party with two names, and it will be elected despite all I can do or say. That was 63 years ago. Most Afro-Americans today, I believe, feel the same way. Now, although there is a distinct difference between Democrats and Republicans, there remains the nagging concern that our interests are not being served by either party. The Democrats limit our progress so as not to offend white middle-class Americans, and the Republicans outright oppose our progress and threatens to take us backwards. But unlike W.E.B. Du Bois in 1956, our $1.3 trillion buying power when utilized in conjunction with our vision, gives us the means to erect our own international political platform. Our buying power gives us an international voice that even China has to respect. What they make, we can can form cooperatives and manufacture the same things but better quality and create jobs for ourselves in the process. But even as I speak this, I can feel the doubt. I can hear the what-they-won't-let-us-do chat and the black people ain't, ain't ever going to work together son. And I can feel the despair. But if you feel that way, as I mentioned in a prior podcast, you're following and empowering the wrong person, people, party, entity, or ideology. You will never go any further than the person you choose to follow and empower. Their limits are your limits. Their fears are your prisons. And their doubt prevents your faith. If they, are going or where you want, if they are not going where you want to be or are ill-equipped to do so, I don't care how loud they holler, black lives matter, or God told me to tell you this or that. When the smoke clears, you won't be any further ahead than you were when you decided to empower them. We've been on this road for a long time and yet seem to be spinning our wheels in the sand with nothing gained that can silence or calm the angst for freedom inside our souls. And for those of you struggling with that concept because you think you're free, let me remind you that in spite of your right to vent or protest, free people don't have to protest, march, or petition their legislator for basic rights to life and decency. Neither do they have legislators conspiring to deprive them of resources and rights by hate cloaked in legislation. They are not harassed because they are driving, shopping, visiting, or lounging while black. Free people are not targeted for destabilization under hate, cloaked as a war on drugs. Free people are not corralled by the millions, as mentioned by Louis Guifreda, the first director of FEMA under Reagan, in a thesis titled National Survival-Racial Imperative, which you can find on jacobandmag.com. Free people do not need a messiah, as then-director of the FBI, J. Edgar Hoover, put out a directive to prevent the rise of it. But I do understand. That to the mind conditioned in captivity, even his or her concept of freedom is conditioned by that captivity. Meaning that freedom to the captive mind is nothing more than a comfortable life of captivity. My name is Walter Mitchell Jr. and I want to thank you for listening. And I'm encouraging you to give life to that shared vision your ancestors passed on to you by joining with others that share that vision. Thank you.